You are listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I found it funny um, how hung up people can get on, on words to describe pastors. Uh, since I've come here to Berwyn, uh, it's a pretty Catholic town, and just about everybody who sees me on the streets calls me, calls me Father. Uh, and so when they, when I, I, I don't correct them, because, you know, like, hi, hi, Father. I'm like, no, I'm a pastor. Uh, you, you know, that doesn't work very well. Um, but if they're talking to me and they, they know who I am, and then they say Father, and they go, oh, no, I'm sorry, Pastor. And I go, wait a second. You don't have to do that. Lutherans all over the world use the word father to describe their pastors. It's just a weird thing about America that makes this, this contrast. Or you know, other people will make the, the contrast between a priest and a minister. You know, a minister is a Protestant, but a priest is a Catholic, which is not something that people around the world do. It's just a sort of an American thing. These titles seem to be a little, a little funny. How much, how much uh, significance we put into this that um, the word priest might carry with it so much freight rather than simply another way of saying pastor or the person who's in the office of the ministry. I say this because today we have something about the great high priest, the priest Jesus Christ and what he does for us. This word priest goes back to the priests of the Old Testament, functioning differently than priests today. And we're going to see what Jesus, as the best of the priests, the ones who offer sacrifice for sins back in the Old Testament, how Jesus, the best of priests, gives us the perfect sacrifice and brings us into God's presence. We're going to do it in, with three different ways that Jesus gives us. Jesus, our great high priest, gives us access to the throne of God, confidence before that throne, and the expectation of mercy when we come before it. First, Jesus gives us access to the throne of God. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. He says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Jesus has passed through the heavens. That, that phrase actually hides a lot of stuff that the author of Hebrews is going to explain in, in later sections. He talks later about Jesus passing through the heavenly holy of holies into the temple that is the greater reality that the first temple and the first tabernacle pointed to. And what Jesus does is he gives us a better sacrifice than the Old Testament priests did. See, in the Old Testament, the sacrifice that they, was the primary sacrifice of the church every year was the Day of Atonement, when the priest would offer a sacrifice for himself and for the, the whole nation of Israel, and he would carry that blood of the sacrifice 
into the holy place, and then into the holy of holies, where there he would sprinkle the blood on the, uh, on the Ark of the Covenant in there as a way of cleansing Israel from their sins so God's people could, could live in his presence for another year. But what would happen then is the priest would go in, he would do his thing, and then he would come out and have to do it over again. It was just the priest and just himself entering into this holy place. What makes Jesus different is that he brings us into the holy of holies and into the presence of God's throne. How does he do that? Well, first of all, he offered that perfect sacrifice. We're just saying not all the blood of beasts was about the, the uh, continuous need to offer sacrifice for sin through the, the sacrifices for individual sin and the day of atonement and how it had to happen over and over and over. Jesus offers a sacrifice that is once and for all. The very Son of God himself And this sacrifice opens the way into the Holy of Holies because it's a sacrifice that never ends, that is always there for us. Not only that, but our confession of faith brings us with him to go into that holy place. Well, we see this in in the Gospel of Mark In the Gospel of Mark, as soon as Jesus dies on the cross, you probably know what happens. The temple curtain that cuts off the Holy of Holies splits from top to bottom, symbolizing the access we have. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we enter with him into that holy place and we can stand before God without fear in his presence. This is something nobody had before Jesus' death and resurrection. Because the presence of God was scary and dangerous prior to this. But we can come before the throne without that fear because Jesus died for us. And his sacrifice opens that way. And our confession, Jesus is the Son of God, is what brings us into him and allows us to go in that far. And when we stand before the throne of God, we get this wonderful gift, a gift of the Word. The God who sits on the throne up in the heavenly places speaks to us to give us that grace and keep us in the faith. When we hear His law and gospel, the Holy Spirit comes to us and gives us direction gives us faith, strengthens us as Christians. What amazing gifts we get because Jesus Christ brings us to this throne. Not only does Jesus, the great high priest, give us access, the great high priest also gives us confidence before God. The word confidence in in this Uh, in Hebrews, actually comes from uh, a word used for the rights of of male citizens in democracies. 
In places like Athens, when they, they would come together, the whole city uh, would come together and vote on a decision, this confidence word was the right of every voter, just men, who would come before the assembly and each of them had a right to speak his mind without repercussions. They could say anything they wanted and there would be no, no penalty for it, no no guards would come and take them off. Nobody would cut off their heads. There was no a, a queen of hearts who would lop them off, off with their head. It was just, you could say whatever you want. It's the freedom of speech, the confidence to say anything. Contrast that with what happens with King Xerxes and Queen Esther in the book of Esther. Back in uh, one of the big risks that Esther was taking when she was going to rescue her people was actually stepping into the throne room and coming to the king without being invited. In fact, if you entered to come to the king without being invited, he had to pardon you for it or else you would be killed. So you would have to come and ask for an audience and he would actually have to touch you or else you'd be killed. Can you imagine if you came in and said something he didn't like? What it would mean if you had a king like that, if you, if you insulted him or said something that just caught him in the wrong move, he could just send you off and have you killed. That is not confidence. That is not freedom of speech. And that's the contrast that Hebrews is giving us, is that we have free speech before God. We can say anything, and he will not reject us. Martin Luther talks about the Lord's Prayer in the introduction, the part that says, Our Father who art in heaven. He tells us that this means that with these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that we are his true children, and he is our true Father. So that with all boldness and confidence, we can ask him as dear children ask their dear father. See, that's not the relationship of a king who is going to throw uh, someone in the dungeon or kill them for saying the wrong thing. That's a father who is willing to listen no matter what. One of the things that I notice when people see me and realize that I'm a pastor. Um, sometimes it happens when I'm not wearing my collar, but just as often as I'm wearing my collar. So a couple of th different things will happen. One of them is um, they will uh, engage in a theological discussion. They'll ask me a question about something and say, or something like that. The other is they'll start telling me their problems. But most of all, 90% of the time, what they do is they apologize for swearing. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Why do they do that? Is it because they, they think pastors don't deserve swearing? I don't think so. I think it's because as a pastor, as a representative of God, it's almost like God is coming before them in a little bit, and they're like, better be on my best behavior. As if when they're out of my presence, God doesn't see it. 
I did ashes at the Metra uh, this past Ash Wednesday, gave out a whole bunch of ash crosses to people who came there. And there were a, a group of Catholic ladies who were sitting next to me after receiving their crosses. And one of them said something rude, and the other one turned, leaned over and said, you can't say that with ashes on your forehead. Because of course, it's fine any other time. I think we feel that way sometimes about coming before God. It's like when we go to God, we have to be on our best behavior. When we walk into a church, we're like, okay, now's the time when I have to be really good because otherwise God will be mad at me. Other times, it's simply thinking that, just, that God is too busy for us. That if we bring him something that's small, He'll get, he'll get angry at us. It's like, oh God, I know you're busy, but uh, I'm having a tough day. Could you give me a little strength? <laughs> As if you have to convince him to listen to you. As you have to give him deference that says, yeah, yeah, I know. This isn't important, but. But what Jesus does is he gives us confidence to say anything to our Heavenly Father. Knowing that because he died for us, offered that sacrifice, cleanses us from sin, we will not be rejected. That means we can lay ourselves bare before the throne of God, empty of ourselves of every sin and every pain and every weakness and say how broken we are and be exactly what we are, a poor, miserable sinner, and he won't cast us out. He'll forgive us. We can come before the throne of God and ask him for anything, no matter how big or how small, and he will listen. We can even come before the throne of God and yell at him. Just like Jesus did. Complain to him about himself. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can yell at our Father in heaven and not be rejected. Isn't that amazing? That because of Jesus Christ, we know we will not be rejected based on what we say to God, based on what we ask him, based on what we need from him, no matter how big or how small, God always listens and doesn't cast us out because of our words. That should give you all the boldness you need to come before him because he promises this amazing thing. And you don't need to, to hide anything. You don't need to act, act, say things in a certain way or phrase things in the right way just to convince him. You just come and ask. Now, Jesus doesn't just give us the uh, access to the throne. He doesn't just give us the confidence to speak freely. He also gives us the expectation of mercy. When we come before God's throne and we ask him for things, we can expect God to respond in a loving way. 
Now this isn't always true about the way people look at each other. Sometimes we can get pretty judgy when we, when we talk about life. Um, especially, I think people get, get judgy when other people struggle with things that we have under control. When we're not tempted by someone and we see somebody else fall into that thing, we can be like, eh, what a weak person. So, if you have a strong work ethic and you've got work and life under control and you're disciplined, you can look at people who fail that and say, can't you just get your life together? Come on. If you don't struggle with addiction, you have no desire to go down that route, and you look at people and you can say, it's pretty easy to say, you're just weak. Come on, get yourself under control. Or if you, uh, if you don't struggle with depression, mental illness, don't really understand like that, it's, it's easy to say, come on, why don't you just get happy? That doesn't, isn't how it works, of course. So when we do that, what we're doing is ignoring the places where we're tempted and focusing on the places where they are. When we feel self-righteous, it's easy to be judgy. But we who are sinners should be nothing before God who is perfect. He asks for total obedience. He asks for perfect behavior. And he up in, in the throne of heaven is perfect himself. From God, all we should expect to receive is judgment. But we do have someone who knows what it's like to be tempted. That's what this says. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, Jesus was tempted the same way we are tempted. That word sympathize, what it, it um really means isn't quite the way we use the word sympathize. It's more about suffer with. And Jesus came down and suffered under exactly the same temptations that we suffer. The reading from Matthew today is all about that, how Jesus uh, faced the temptations from Satan three different times. He tested Jesus for all the things that we desire, for uh, the kinds of things that we need to support our bodies, for uh, to have God prove himself to us, or power and glory. Everybody wants something like that. But it wasn't just that moment where Jesus was tempted. Every step of his ministry. Jesus could have turned away from his will of his father. When he was in the, the garden of Gethsemane, could have easily ran off. Would have been pretty simple. When he was being beaten, he could have used the law to get out of his trial. When he was nailed to the cross, he could have called down the armies from heaven to destroy all his enemies, take him down and glorify him. Every step of his ministry and his life was temptation. And yet, he had no sin. And then by his death, he takes away our sin. 
So when we come before our Father's throne and we confess our sins, a God who might otherwise point at us and condemn us turns instead to Jesus. When we say, I'm a poor, miserable sinner, Jesus shows our Father his hands and says, I died for you. When we come before him with with our pain and our hurt and we ask God for healing, Jesus points to his side and says, look, I died for them. Because Jesus, our high priest who was tempted and then offered the perfect sacrifice, understands what it's like to be us. He then stands in our place and offers himself as the sacrifice to secure God's mercy and his love and his grace. So that we can come before God and not be condemned, but be loved, receiving forgiveness and mercy because of Jesus. See, Jesus, our great high priest, gives us an amazing gift. He brings us into the Father's throne. He gives us this free ability to speak what we need, to lay our souls bare, and then he delivers forgiveness and love by his death on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaburwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Lambs.